0: All right, welcome back week three, Rhythms of Grace. Glad to have you here with us again today. During this series, we're looking at a set of practices known to us as the spiritual disciplines. These are habits like praying, giving, reading, and fasting. And if this content has been helpful to you the last couple of weeks, we'd really appreciate if you would like, comment, and share. That lets us know that it's helpful and it also broadens the reach so that we continue being helpful to others. In week one, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the invitation of Jesus from Matthew 11 to come to him and find rest. During the series, we've opted to use the word rhythms instead of disciplines because the word disciplines can have a bit more of a negative connotation attached to it, and we're not after forced discipline. We're after unforced rhythms that overflow naturally out of souls that have found total satisfaction in Jesus Christ. Then last week, we looked at Matthew 6 at prayer and how prayer is simply asking God to do what it is that he has already promised to do. You don't have to be a prayer warrior to begin developing a prayer life. We looked at the simplicity of the Lord's Prayer, and we saw that it is much better to pray a few lines authentically than to pray a really long prayer superficially because we are not defined by the length of our prayers. We are defined by the love of the Father. So today we're going to stay in Matthew chapter 6 as we continue looking at the words of Jesus and what he teaches on fasting. So this is Matthew 6, verses 16 Of all the rhythms of grace, fasting might be the most misunderstood, misrepresented, and misapplied. And there's a few reasons for this. First one we see here from Matthew six is that Jesus shows us that fasting is ultimately something that we do in secret. Uh, Fasting can be corporate. We can participate to fast with many others but Jesus says that we do this in secret uh, not to be seen by others but to be seen by the Father. So there is a sense in which it could be difficult to find a healthy example of fasting because if someone's doing it the right way they're not trying to do this as show to draw attention to themselves. Uh, Another reason could be is that many of us have been conditioned to believe that hunger is bad. Very often we associate hunger with a negative experience few years back, I had to have multiple stomach surgeries. And with each surgery, uh, I had to go through a period of fasting prior to the surgery. So very often in my own mind, I associate fasting with a negative experience. Another reason might be that we're worried fasting will turn us into some sort of religious lunatic. We're refraining from food and drink to pursue some sort of uh, higher mystical spiritual experience. You know, We're worried we might become like John the Baptist, just out in the desert by ourselves, wearing garments of camel's hair, and we're eating locusts and wild honey. And uh, we just don't want to be perceived by others as weird, Uh, but a a final reason might be is that the other rhythms of grace have more of a do emphasis. Things like uh, reading our Bible, praying, giving to the poor, serving others, worshiping, those have more of a do emphasis where fasting has more of a don't emphasis. We're intentionally refraining from something that we would typically depend upon, so fasting can easily be misunderstood, but as we see from the words of Jesus here in Matthew 6, Jesus teaches fasting, just like prayer, as an assumption, not as a suggestion. So as his followers, we shouldn't opt out of fasting any more than we would opt out of praying. Just like prayer, fasting is a rhythm of grace that should occur as the natural overflow of a life and a soul that are well-rested in Jesus Christ. So let's look for a moment here at the what and the why of fasting. Richard Foster has defined fasting as the voluntary refrain of a normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. In fasting, we're seeking to connect physical impulses to spiritual desires. Oftentimes, the psalmist will write about having hearts and souls that hunger and thirst for God, but how could we know what it means to have a heart and soul that hunger and thirst for God if we had not experienced physically hunger and thirst. So through the intentionality of practicing physical restraint, refraining from something, we're preparing ourselves to practice spiritual restraint. A good example of this comes from Jesus in the desert in Matthew chapter four. He goes out into the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days. And in Matthew chapter four, we find one of the most obvious verses in all of the Bible when it says that after fasting for 40 days, Jesus was hungry. And it was in that moment of hunger that the enemy comes out into the desert and begins to tempt him. But Jesus for 40 days has been practicing this discipline of physical restraint. So in the face of temptation, he was prepared to face the spiritual attack of the enemy because he had become fully dependent on the Father. And that became his power and his strength in the face of temptation. Fasting is the voluntary refrain of a normal function. So that focuses more on the what for the sake of intense spiritual activity that focuses more on the why. As we decrease our physical intake, We're increasing our spiritual dependency as we connect physical impulses to spiritual desires. So that's a focus on the what and the why. Now, how do we fast? Well, let's just go right back to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 16. He says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. So again, let's just pause there for a second. We need to reiterate this point, I think. Jesus teaches fasting as an assumption, not a suggestion. Fasting is probably the most neglected among all of the spiritual disciplines. So Jesus is teaching here not if you fast or should you fast or in the event that you decide to fast. Jesus teaches when you fast. Jesus himself fasts in Matthew chapter 4. That's what we saw in his temptation in the wilderness. Jesus here in Matthew 6 is teaching on fasting. Go to Matthew chapter 9. Jesus anticipates a day when all of his disciples will fast. So as much as we, we can and should put an emphasis on Bible reading plans and devotional books and gathering for worship. Fasting should be just as natural of a rhythm in our lives uh, as any other of the rhythms of grace. So Jesus teaches fasting as an assumption, not as a suggestion. Second, Jesus teaches that our fasting will test our authenticity. Verse 17, he uh, he says in 16 into verse 17, "'Don't look gloomy like the hypocrites, "'for they disfigure their faces, "'that their fasting may be seen by others. "'Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward.' but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. So just imagine this picture here for a moment of the religious hypocrites. Go back to where we were last week. Jesus uses that word hypocrite not to talk about someone who does one thing and says another, but to talk about someone who's doing the right thing but from the wrong motivation. The problem with the hypocrites wasn't that they weren't praying and they weren't fasting. The problem with the hypocrites is that they were praying and they were fasting, but from the wrong motivation. So you can imagine this picture. They come out into the streets, Their long gloomy faces, they look tired and depleted. It's attention seeking behavior that is just begging for the praise of others. And Jesus says, don't do this. The implications in this passage and all through Matthew chapter six are clear. When our primary motivation is to be seen by others, our works go unseen by God. Fasting will test our authenticity. And just like we saw with prayer last week, Jesus teaches that fasting should be motivated by the Father's approval. Verse 18, he says that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Decreased dependency on a physical desire leads to increased intimacy with the Heavenly Father. Understand, our goal here is not just to go without food. That's called a diet. Okay, our goal here is deeper intimacy with God. Our fasting is also a feasting. Jesus teaches in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. We're seeking deeper satisfaction in the fullness of the Father as our souls become better rested in His grace. So practically, what does fasting actually look like? Well, in this specific context, Jesus teaches fasting in regards to food and drink, and that's probably what it's most commonly associated with, but fasting can involve anything that's become a dependency for us. So other examples of this could be uh, caffeine, it could be entertainment, it could be digital media, it could be social media. Uh, Believe it or not, the apostle Paul actually uh, talks about how there may be seasons where husbands and wives may agree to not have sex with each other so that they can devote themselves more fully to prayer, that they may actually abstain uh, from from this act so that they can become more fully dependent on the Father. Fasting can be anything upon which we've created some sort of dependency. So, So how does this work? How does this work? We stop eating one day, and then what happens next? Well, when we have that feeling of pain, of hunger in our stomachs, this is what we're praying. Lord, as my stomach hungers for food, I pray that my soul would hunger for you. As I seek strength and nourishment from a meal, be strength and nourishment for my heart. So we fast from TV or from movies or from entertainment, the impulse strikes, and in that moment, as that impulse and that desire strikes, we're praying, Lord, as I seek to be satisfied by entertainment, make my soul be satisfied in you and you alone. As I seek to experience joy or numb my mind, I pray that I would experience fullness of joy in you and that my mind would be filled with your glory and your desires. You know, for many, unfortunately, in our culture today, social media has created a soul-crushing dependency on the approval and affirmation of others. So as we we fast from social media and that impulse strikes to pick up our phone and to check uh, the comments and the likes and the mentions, in that moment, we're praying, Lord, as I desire the approval and the affirmation of man, let me fully rest in the approval that has already been given to me through your son Jesus Christ. If you and your your spouse did decide to temporarily refrain and abstain from, from sex, it's in that moment that the physical desire strikes, we're praying, Lord, as my body desires pleasure, help me to remember that the greatest pleasure and fullest satisfaction can be found in you and you alone. Can fast from anything upon which we've created some sort of dependency. But keeping in mind all the time that our fasting is not just a fasting from, it's a feasting on. It's refraining from a sp- physical desire in an all-out pursuit of all that God is for us in Christ. So my, my challenge for you this week is just to begin incorporating this rhythm of fasting into your life. It could be for a month. It could be for a week. It could just be for a day. Start somewhere. Decrease your dependency on a spiritual desire, and it increases your intimacy with your heavenly Father. And when we do this, we begin to experience what we touched on from the psalmist in Psalm 63 last week. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Our fasting is also a feasting. Your goal is not just to be hungry. Your goal is to hunger for God. Thanks so much for joining us again this week. We'll be right back here together next week in Matthew chapter six, as we look at the rhythm of giving. Take care.